0: God, it's the middle of the week. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs, Rose Ivy. Ooh, I'm feeling it this morning. (laughs) Oh my God, I am feeling it. I'm feeling it. But uh, there's something I want to grab. So what I'm going to do, I think you can still hear me. I'm going to stop my video and get off camera. And then I'm uh, going to slide back because there's something I want to grab, and I should have grabbed it this morning, but I'm, getting, I'm grabbing it now. I know. This is the this is a lot for live radio. <laughs> I know. I know this is unconventional live radio, but that's how we we that's how we get down in these parts. That's how we get down. Good morning. So, uh, uh, you know. You know, my weeks can be so full of all kinds of things. So uh, yesterday, we, you know, after coming back from a, a good weekend in Miami celebrating the nuptials of um, Azaria and Demetrius, we get on a train yesterday to go to New York to see uh, uh African Hair Braiding, a play um, in New York on Broadway. Blacky, black, black, black. black play uh with you know africans <laughs> it was great and uh thank you uh gion chang for always thinking about me in these productions jion chang cheng is the lighting director for this <clears throat> and let me tell you something <laughs> She knows how to like black people um, because they keep calling her because she keeps liking black people. Like, you know, when you when you go to a play, you see black people on stage and you could actually see their features. And, you know, we come in various shades so you can see all the shades of different people's not not one light for everybody. It's great. I know white folks will never think about that. White folks just be thinking, what are they talking about? Uh, because black folks has variation of shades. You know, you talk about the rainbow coalitions, you, you talk about black people. So it requires some lighting, some, some, somebody who has some real skill at lighting to ensure that everybody on stage is seen in their reality. So she did that. Last night was opening house at uh Cha's African hair breeding, So Ife and I got on a train, and that uh, was great. Yeah, we met up with uh, our great loves, uh, Markeisha Ricks, who was in New York, hanging out, uh, staying over at Sarah's house in Brooklyn. And then Sarah came from a board meeting. And so we all met up in Times Square, because, you know, Times Square got a beer garden. So you can get a hot dog and beer. <laughs> Oh, and in Marquis's case, sangria. So they got some sangria. So you know, so we walked up from uh, from Grand Central to Times Square, which was nice because I really need to walk more. I I do not walk nearly enough, but that's a sidebar. And it's so funny because I used to I used to have great mobility. I could walk far and wide. I used to walk all over the place. I got to get back to that. I keep saying that, but I'm not doing that. So, so here's my commitment. Back to walking. Back to it. and A date you say? I don't know. But anyway. So we, we're in Times Square. We eat. We have some hot dogs and fries and beer and sangria. And we catch up and we laugh. It was so good. And it was warm in New York. It was beautiful. I thought it was too many damn people, but that's a horse of another color. And then we make our way uh they they got tickets to go see Shucked, and they absolutely enjoyed it, but their play was longer than ours. Their play was two hours and 15 minutes. Our play was 90 minutes, plus a cast party, plus a, a party next door at uh, Brooklyn Chop House, which was swanky. Three floors. We made our way to the rooftop. You know, the first floor was a vibe. The basement was a vibe. The rooftop was a vibe. Everybody was coming upstairs because you know you wanted a little breath of fresh air. Although the first floor they had the AC-, AC on full blast, so it was nice. It was really, really nice. Really, really nice. I had a, we had a good time. It was a very good time. The play was delightful, and Somi was in it. Our, our girl that we we with you know that we got to spend some time with our Martha's Vineyard for the uh, Martha's Vineyard Jazz Festival, you know, the scholarship jazz festival that happens every year on the vineyard. Um, so she's in the play. And uh, and it was really good. It was good. I mean, it was beautifully done. It had a lot in it. It had friendship and hurt feelings and, you know, uh, makeup and all the kind of, I mean, makeup meaning fixing stuff, fixing friendships and, you know, what's important and, I mean all kinds of stuff, bouginess and comedy and seriousness. It was it was beautiful. I enjoyed it so much. And it had a packed house. And I saw some really cool people. I saw the president of the national NAACP. He is way more handsome in person than in the pictures. He does not photograph well. And if anybody knows him, and I'm and I'm sure uh uh my friend Scott will probably tell him, Bab said, said you don't know, photograph well. I don't think Scott's listening to me this morning, but occasionally he catches me. Scott, the national president, the NAAC. Oh, wait, I don't think he's the president. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta look it up. I don't know if he's still the president. He might, he might uh uh. What is this? I don't know what this is. Anyway, um anyway uh he 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 looks way better uh in person yes, Derek Johnson sorry i've got i made a little cocktail this morning some uh one hundred percent organic pomegranate juice and a Croix lime water sparkling water mix these two together. And it's a a nice, refreshing drink for the morning. By cocktail, there's no alcohol in this. I'm not on vacation. If I was on vacation, it'd have some tequila in it. (laughs) I'm not on vacation. I'm actually working. So anyway, I saw Derek Johnson. Steve Padler was in the house. Saw him last night. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he was sitting like a couple of seats away from me. Um, We saw somebody else that we know. Uh, ife no remember. I mean, we saw we ran into people last night, which was really nice, you know. Uh, and then uh, the you know like Cinderella, the clock struck ten ten, and we had to get our asses to the because we we making the decision whether we should um make our way uh catch the 10-41 train or the eleven twenty six train, and we're sitting on the rooftop and it's ten ten, so we call for the car. And uh, we get to we we get to Grand Central, and uh, and you know we got like it's like I don't know I I I was determined because you know the eleven twenty six train that's when it's seventeen stops you know the first stop is Grand I mean is you know one hundred twenty fifth Street and then it's like da 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 seventeen stops to get to the Haven, but when you catch the ten forty one train. The first stop is Stanford, so I feel like when you get to Stanford, you are home, right? Like you are literally in your backyard. So we get we the cab pulls up the Grand Central across the street. We get out the cab, and I think Ife was just stunned because we got out the cab. I was hauling ass across the street because I was determined to make the ten forty one. And so we looked. We get in the train station. We see. It's on track 16. And your know, track 16 is way to hell down the other end, right? Because when you come to Grand Central, there's tracks in front of you, like 25, 24, like right in front of you. So we haul ass. She gets to run it. And I knew if she could get in front of me, run, she could, she could, she could stop the train. She could, you know, have the guy wait for us. And sure enough, we, we got to the train, huffing and puffing, but we got there. I felt like Shikari Richardson. I'm i I'm not kidding you. This is the first time that the the, the teenagers have gone for a run, and and it didn't hurt. It did not hurt, and I was worried because I was like, "Lord, if I trip or if I feel any inch of pain, because you know when you have your hips done, you you oh you you just more careful than you should be." Now my doctor, my surgeon, already already like, "Babs, you good? Go go do whatever the hell you want to do. Just don't do too many deep squats because you know it's still relatively new, but." You can do stuff, so so I, that's always in the back of my mind. So so I was a little, but I was determined because I did not want to get on that eleven twenty six train because I just that was just a lot. Anyway, we got home. So we got home. I don't know one o'clock, one thirty. I don't know something like that. We got home, and it was great. <laughs> New York, New York. <laughs> what? Dreams are made of. Oh gosh, it was so good. And to see Sarah and Marquisha, all of us together in the Times Square was priceless. So it was nice. It was a nice trip up, nice trip back. Uh, tonight uh, we're going to the to the uh, the private opening of Goya. Tim Cabral and Ari, their collab. In Worcester Square, they they took over the old Tony and Lucille's um spot, tricked it out. Now it's uh, a restaurant market gelato vibe thing going on. So we're going there for a 7 o'clock seating for dinner. I'm looking forward to it because, you know, Tim Cabral is my my uh, bar husband. I we've been married for quite some time now. <laughs> we've been married for quite some time. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I've been waiting for this new restaurant for quite some time. So so that's the happenings. That is the happenings around town. That's what I was into yesterday. I had a good time. Uh, I meet up with my LSAT, my LSAT, my uh, law school prep coach today. So we could uh, map out, you know, continue mapping out the strategy for uh, applying to law school. And every time, every time I think about it, I get butterflies. You know, like I just get butterflies. It just freaks me out. It just freaks me out that I'm applying to law school and that there's a probability, there's a pro- small, albeit probability that I'll get in. So anyway, so anyway, I, I did pick up some swag last night. I got the bag. You know, I can't resist the red bag. So so I got this bag, and it was. It was cheaper than I thought it was going to be, and I got a magnet because I, I'm a magnet junkie. So I, I so I got this magnet. Can you see it. So I got the magnet, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it right there for now. And then I got this bag. Now now let me tell you something. If my sister Lo was here, she would she would take this bag and beat me over the head with it. Cause she'd be like, "Girl, you don't need another daggone bag." ever in your life, and she would be right. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So so anyway, um, so that was last night. And it was such a good time. Hey, Nora, good morning, Nora. I, I meant to say good morning. Nora's been holding it down um, because Harry and his wife were on a honeymoon birthday celebration. Uh. Uh. So. Uh. So. So they're they're somewhere traipsing through the the, the Black Hills of Tennessee. <laughs> I know damn well Harry's not listening, but I wish he was listening because that Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Oh my God! Because if Kevin McCarthy, if 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 um if Harry was here, I'd have him play all the old school R and B songs. Like I I dedicate some songs to to Kevin McCarthy because I because I, I think when you get a public beatdown like that, you need some you need some real soul music. You can't listen to Taylor Swift when you have got your heart broken. I don't care what you young people say, Taylor Swift. I you know whatever she could sing whatever. But you need some old school R&B when you get beat down, when you get humiliated and your heart ripped from your chest. You need old school R&B. You need the main, you need the main ingredients. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. No exception to the rule. Listen, baby. See, you, you need that. Or you need um, t- uh, Teddy Pendergast. Listen, Kevin McCarthy, I know you're not listening to me this morning. I know you laid in the bed like, damn, how they do me like this? I mean, it was predestined, bruh. You you, 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 you knew they was gunning for you. They was gunning for you when they said, all right, we're going to see how long this go. They, w- they knew they were setting you up for a downfall. That's why you need good ass RB soul music to get through this. They not and some brown liquor. I, let me let me tell you how black people would play this. First of all, you gotta get play the main ingredients. Start with that. Everybody plays the fool. Because you got you gotta understand you played the fool. You gotta understand that and accept that. And then and then you gotta play some teddy teddy Pendergrass. The whole town's laughing at me. Right? Cause, 'Cause that's that's really really what it is. So so you you gotta you gotta you gotta own that pain of it. And uh 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 Teddy Pendergrass uh is that song, the whole town's laughing at me, uh is uh it's so perfect. I'm gonna let me see if I could I'm see if I could pull it up. I can give you the lyrics. Uh, because ain't nothing gonna heal you like some R and B soul. I, I'm I'm telling you, it's just it's just I'm 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 trying to help you, and you know I don't want to be helping you, but I but I feel like that was such a public beatdown, Kevin McCarthy, that uh damn. So listen, it goes the whole town's laughing at me, yeah, and then it goes ooh. I had your love right here in the palm of my hands, and I lost it. I lost it. Yes, baby. I'm not, I don't think I'm in the right key for that one because I'm so anxious. But you get the gist of it. I'm going to give you a playlist. I'm going to make a playlist for him. You need a playlist, bro. You need about 10 hours of some good R&B music. You need the main ingredient because that's going to help you. I'm convinced the main ingredient will help you. And then a little Teddy Pendergrass, you know, uh, I mean, I think you got, you got to play i uh, I'm uh, uh, i I'm a, I'm a cultivated playlist and I'm going to come back to you tomorrow with it. That's what I'm going to do. I got to think about this, you know, cause you, you, you hurting right now, Kevin McCarthy. And, and, and then and then they were like, Hey, you going to try to run again. And they were like, he was like, uh, no. (laughs) Wait, they oust him. They oust him. And then they don't got a replacement. That's how you know they don't, they hate you. (laughs) When they don't got nobody in the wings to replace you, they just want you out. We don't give a damn. We don't, listen, we'll be without a Speaker of the House. We don't care. I don't care if it's unprecedented. We don't care. We want his ass out. (laughs) And the Democrats is like, listen, we don't run, we don't run them. They do what they do. We, but if the opportunity, if the opportunity for us to vote his ass out, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna vote his ass out. It ain't up to us to say, let's let's go against these Republican wishes and keep them in. We're not doing that. <laughs> ain't no loyalties. None. And the Democrats don't owe them no loyalty. What do you want the Democrats to do? We, all of us, the Democrats over here, is like, we didn't want this MF anyway, but okay. <laughs> and and y'all didn't want to, apparently didn't want them either, because guess what happened? Eight to 10 of y'all came over to the other aisle and voted with us. So, I mean, we can't, what are we going to do? When you come across the aisle and vote with us, what are we going to say? Don't do that? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> we're not doing we're not responsible for the Republican Party. We can't hold us down and you too. We're not doing that. So I you know what? So all the Republicans who are mad or whatever, whatever. Listen, you know how the dims get down. We already, we was already voting against him. We've been voting against him. What are you talking about? And it is not our responsibility to hold down your party. That's not us. That's on y'all y'all need to get over it get in a room or wherever the hell the g o p gathers wherever y'all gather I don't know where that I don't know where that is. I have no ideas where the g o p gathers if they even meet up you know I don't know what y'all do, but y'all need to do something, <laughs> and then you let you let pedophile boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe maybe pedophile's too strong a word. The cat that likes young girls gets, who likes young girls, you know, partying with young girls with that big Richard Nixon head of his. <laughs> he looks like a young Richard Nixon, don't he? That big ass head. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not sorry. So you let that guy run you out of town. So it's literally he walked up and snatched the gavel out your hands and said, Dear me. Mm. I'm not gonna put no James Brown on your um playlist, Kevin McCarthy. You know why? Because you're not strong enough for a James Brown track. I don't I don't because you know, you James Brown got some revenge. You know, but you're not strong enough because you you don't got you don't got the votes for revenge. You don't. Know? You don't got the backing for revenge. So I, I'm not going to put no James Brown on your um, on your playlist. But I'm going I'm to make you a playlist. I'm going to make a Kevin McCarthy playlist. Because I'm convinced you need you need some old school R&B. That's the only thing that's going to soothe your soul. You don't know it because you don't get down like that. But I think it's going to help you. I, I'm telling you, you, listen to these old school R&B songs. You're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you pour yourself a little something, something. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make you go straight black R&B. Like I'm not gonna pour you a glass of Hennessy. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pour you. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna pour you. I'll figure it out. But you know, I keep it in your world a little bit because you get too black, you might be trying to pick up the civil rights mantle. I don't, I don't want you doing that. Not yet, anyway. But I'm going to get you a good playlist because cause that's got to hurt. <laughs> <sighs> that's got to hurt, 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 hurt. I saw that. We was on a train reading. I was like, they did it? Never in the history. I know Nancy Pelosi somewhere with her high heels ass sitting around saying, mm. Bring me a Prosecco, please. (laughs) I know Hillary Clinton is like, "Mm." listen, have you seen Hillary Clinton? Let me tell you something. Next to Leon Tally, I don't know who has the the baddest uh, caftans around. Hillary Clinton is like, F y'all, I'm wearing caftans wherever I go. I'm flowing into spaces. I'm not wearing nothing, constraining, constricting. Y'all can have your damn pantsuits. Guess what I'm showing up in? A caftan, billowy caftans, and some slippers. I'm, I'm, I'm want that Hillary Clinton life. I'm with you, girl. I'm in a caftan now. I'm in a caftan. And Nancy Pelosi somewhere, clicking them heels on some some uh, terrazzo tiles, talking about uh, prosecco, please. I got work to do. <laughs> I don't know what to make of these Republicans. They just be doing. I, I, do they even know they're a party? I don't even know what's happening. It's not my deal, not my monkey, not my circus. Uh, I'm over here with the Dems. Like, we just sitting there, like, okay, this is good theater, good ass theater. So, uh, So let me see what else I could get into. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, I was up on the New Haven Independent site and I saw something about, you know, the blocking of time for kids reading. I don't understand why this reading stuff is so challenging. You know, uh, listen, uh, this this is my stand on this. If slaves could learn to read by candlelight and moonlight and fireplace light, then I don't understand why, with all the technology that we have and, and a willing captive audience of children, why reading is so challenging. And I'm no educator, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not studied or whatever, but I, I just find it, I find it um, challenging that we are challenged by this reading. And you know how you get kids to read? You read. It's just as simple as that. The more reading you do, the more better they, the better they become at it. That's that's anything. I mean, uh, Gladwell gave us this already, in, uh, 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 in in his book. You know, it's ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours makes you an an ex- expert, and whatever it is you spend ten thousand hours on, you become expert. So maybe we need to have kids reading 10,000 hours. I don't know. I just don't, I just, I'm, I'm just always challenged by these conversations about, you know, going back and forth on whether phonics is the thing or sight words. I hate sight words. Who the hell? I don't understand how you could think that you, because that's just guessing to me. Whereas phonics is a legitimate e- experience, a legitimate skill. I, saw, I sound out foreign words in other languages because I got a good foundation in phonics when I was a kid. Honest to God, so I don't understand I don't I just maybe I'm missing something man I gotta have some educators on. man I got some educators on. I mean, I did run Jumpstart for Young Children in New Haven, and we were quite successful and award-winning. For school readiness, for three to five year olds, three to five year olds, like we did that, teaching children to get ready for school. You know how you do that? How to hold a book, left to right. How to how to turn pages, left to right. You know, starting with 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 the vowels. Do we do they even do vowels? A E I O U, and sometimes Y. And then you learn to sound out each of those vowels. A E O right a e i o u a a e e i i o o u a and y and sometimes you have to put things together so if you get the basis of that then you start putting then you take consonants you know consonants uh b which is bu buh, buh. c which is ka 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 D duh right? Then you jump over the E, which is a vowel. then you go to F. You know you make sure you feel it on your on your lip. right? That's how I learned. <laughs> g g gu, gu, gu A, B, C, D, E, F, G. H, I, another vowel I I I. J. J. But don't mistake the ju for the g sound of G. I swear to God, I remember I remember I remember this is how I learned. <laughs> like, and then so you get the J sound and you get the K. K can sound like the c k k k k c k k k c And then you sometimes you put C and K together. And it makes one k-, k k sound. That's how I learned, right? L la la la. Let the tongue hit the roof of your mouth when you say la 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 la. M mmm. Wasn't that cookie good? Mmm. Right in in no 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 no. Let the tongue hit the roof of your mouth no 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 no. Tap it lightly no 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 no. In that's the in sound o o oh, oh, which is a vowel p p a consonant p, 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 p. p sound. Almost like you're out of breath. p p p p <laughs> Q, Q, Q can sound like the K and the C. And to make the Q sound in words, you put a U with it, which is a vowel. So the Q, U sound sounds like a C, a K, a C, K sound. R. R. S. Right? My teacher would put her hands together and she'd be like like a snake Like a fizzle At. So you again another another sound, you let your tongue hit the roof of your mouth like you're pushing out. T You, uh, 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 that's a U sound. A vowel. V, va, va, va. <laughs> w, wa, wa, wa. You make your lips like a O, but it's not the O sound. It's the wa, wa, wa sound. X, X, X really doesn't have a sound. It's silent. But you can say X. Sometimes you could put X with the Y, Xi, or X with the O O, right? So these little things like that. X Y Z. 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 So it should feel like a little buzz. Z Z Z. Z. Like zebra. Z and that's that's your alphabets, and then you start playing around with, you know, if you put an I and an S together, let's sound them out. Ah ah ah. S, s, s. Eh, eh, eh. Sometimes an I can sound like an E, depending on what we're trying to spell and what we're trying to use the word for. So I can sound like e e e. Right? Sometimes. So, so that means uh, 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 let's see let me see if I can remember this right is 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 and sometimes you want to put at for another word so you got is now you want it, 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 And sometimes you want another word. So you start with the two-letter words. That's how I learned two-letter words, like at, it, is, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there was another way you could learn, too. Like, you know, like uh, E-E sounds, uh, O-U sounds, uh, Y sounds with something else, with other letters to make a particular sound, like Wyoming, right? That's a big word. So how do you break it down? So you start sounding, you learn how to sound out words. That's how I learned. After 60 years old, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And that's how I taught my children to read. My daughter, Margo, was reading at three years old. Khalil took a little longer because he had a developmental delays. Gregory just wasn't a confident reader. He just wasn't a confident reader, you know, so because he wasn't a confident reader, when we would sit around and read a book in the circle, because this is what we would spend our time doing, um, he would mumble. He would put the, he would, he would bury himself in the book and he wouldn't project out. And, you know, I'd be like, I'd be like a, a, a you know, like a, a show mommy. I'm like, okay. Put the book at put the book at a uh, eye level, right? You don't need the book directly in front of you. Put the book where you can see it, and this is how you can tell if kids can read or not. Like physically, can see pages and words. You know, you have them hold the book at a particular comfortable place, and then you have them tilt their head, and you follow with your eyes. You learn so that you could pro- 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 project out, and so we would work on this with him till he got comfortable. And it took a long time for him to get comfortable with reading out because he wasn't confident. He wasn't confident in his reading. My daughter, Brianna, who to this day is very soft-spoken, very, very soft-spoken. And so she would read and it was like she was whispering. And I would just sit down and like, you, have to, you have to speak up. You know, I'd be no nonsense. I know. I'm sure they'll write the mommy dearest version of me. But uh, you have to speak, speak up. Because she was very, it's, to this day, she's still soft-spoken. Speak up. I can't hear you. I cannot hear you across the room. And then she learned to speak up. And then she she was a good reader, too. You know. And I would tell them, it's not about being fat, the fastest reader. Don't be the fastest reader. Don't be the fastest reader. You know. <laughs> Just take your time. You could take your time. Slow it down. And listen. So this is how I learned to read too. So they would say to us, reading, there are things in reading that are like stop signs and yield signs and goal signs. Like a comma is like a yield sign. You pause, you take a breath, and then you go on to the next thing. A period is a stop sign. So when you get to the end of a sentence and there's a period, what happens? Well, you stop. And that's how I learned. And that's why I'm such a good reader and I'm, a, and I'm very, a, a well-spoken person. I don't say that to be bragging. I'm telling you, I had people who taught me how to do it. I didn't just wake up. I, I was taught. <laughs> that's why I read so well. I don't trip over my tongue. I don't do anything. That's why I can get up and speak on any subject anywhere in the world and not go, uh, ooh, uh, 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 and lose my train of thought. I don't have that because as a child, I was taught to read. (laughs) And when you have command of reading, you can talk about any damn thing. You can read anything. And then you learn how to process in your brain what it's actually saying. So I learned critical thinking at a very young age because it's not enough to be able to read. You got to be able to sort of analyze what you're reading so that you can paraphrase it. I had a fine-ass education, I must say. I must say. I must say. I must say. My teachers, Mrs. White and Mrs. Chapman, Mrs. Muckle, Mrs. Klein, who was my kindergarten teacher. I had good teachers who 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 thought reading was a tool for liberation. I think that's what we are we're not getting that reading is a tool for liberation and command of language is a tool for liberation because education is a tool for liberation and. And liberation meeting when you can read and write you could do anything you could do anything and I, I think that's the that's the momentum that we are not getting across to our kids we're not inspiring them do you know what i mean like when i was a kid oratory skills were were part of the curriculum so we would we would learn how to sing singing is another thing Sing chorus, right? Sing in chorus, sing out, learn words, memorize words. We would do singing. We would do poems. We would do orations. Orations like speeches. You know, and not just I had a dream speech. We'd be doing Plato's Republic. I mean, you know, we would be all kinds of These teachers were no joke. I don't know what these teachers are doing right now. God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. They got everybody telling them, what to do, but we're not asking teachers how to do this. I, I, I'm convinced that we're not asking because I know there are teachers who know how to do this old school. Let's get it together. Let's get it. To, everybody break up into groups, get into circles, and you know, and then you make sure it's mixed up so it's not all the slow readers in one group and all the fast readers in another group because that sets up for elitism. So you put a little bit of everybody in each group, right? Fast readers, slow reader, and then you create a spirit of I want to help each other be better readers. You instill that in them, and you'll watch children blossom. They will get with each other instead of trying to be like, "Oh, she can't read." Ha! They'll be like, "Okay, let me show you how to do this." Let me. Kids will do that if you inspire them and put that in them. I'm just telling you what I know. I'm saying, and I might not know nothing, you know. So, I'm just saying. Just saying, just saying. So, I, so I I don't know. I'm just looking at this article on the Independent, and this struggling with reading foolishness just gets on my nerves. You know, I don't I don't know I don't know I don't, I just don't know what. And I you know I'm thinking about this, and I you know I I would love to, I you know for Jumpstart we used to read have Saturday academies just be in the public library on Saturdays from uh, 10 to 12. And all we do is sit in the circle and kids will bring us books and we'd sit there and read these books with these children. That's that's really what it is. And once you read a book to a kid enough, guess what happens? They want to read that book. And then so they'll listen to you and they'll start to memorize where things are and how you read it. And then if you point it out to them and you sit with them, they can follow along with their little hands and little eyesight. Then they'll start to get the rhythm for reading. The rhythm. Do you understand? The rhythm. There's so much to this that we can inspire to do. That it is not just academic. I mean, yes, there's a need for academic, for folks to be academically trained to do this. But there's also rhythm and feeling and just uh, uh, intuition about how children read. You give me a kid, give me a kid for a summer. I have them damn kids reading so well. That's just how, that's just where I'm at. So So I'm at a loss when I, you know, when, when I when I when I hear that kids are not in this day and age in 2023, and it's not because kids are not bright; they are bright. These kids can get on, can log on, and do all kinds of amazing things with cell phones and computers and all the stuff. They could write code, <laughs> but we're not, but we're not inspiring them to want to read. We're not we're not doing that. And there's so many rich books out there. There's so many books out there for every hue, for every ethnicity, for every culture, for all kinds of stuff. That you can just put in front of them and and watch them eat it up. But we have to inspire them to do it. We have to inspire them to do it. So I'm um, listen to all you parents and grandparents and big mamas out there and everybody who's out there. If you're not, if your kid doesn't see you reading, your kid's not going to read. If they see you talking on the phone all the time, they're going to talk on the phone all the time. If they see you watching TV all the time, they're going to watch TV all the time. So you know what? Get into the habit of saying, you know what, the first hour of the evening after dinner, we're going to read as a family, as a group, as a community. Just what we're going to do. We're going to read. That's all we're going to do. We're going to read. And we're going to think about words. And we're going to let words, we're going to put words in our mouths like grapes. And we're going to just ruminate on them. We're just going to eat them up. You know, that's it. There's no other assignment other than that. And then as we go along, along, was like, so when you read that book, what did you think? What did it make you feel like when you read that book? D- d- can you relate to that book? Meaning, is there anything in your life right now that makes you think, how oh, I know something about this? Or do you feel like you know somebody like this in the story? I just, uh, I'm just a sucker for your love. For your love. Sucker for love, sucker for love, sucker for your love, baby. I'm in a Rick James kind of mode. I'm just a sucker for your love. For your love. All right. So, so anyway, speaking of books, I got to finish my, uh, I, I bought my, I bought two books on the train because I thought, that I would finish the Isabel Allende book because I was like I don't have that much to go. And so I, I'm enjoying the ending of it because now it's all starting to tie together. And it's sort of the right kind of book for a woman of my age at this particular moment because it's talking about uh, reinvention and and still still time to do things that you know that you thought that were past and how you can be reawakened. Anything can reawaken your senses. You know, so that's why I think I, I was meant to read this book at this particular moment. I, I'm one of these people that I, I I always believe, and and I and I tr- and this is a spiritual muscle training, a spiritual muscle training, so that you look for the miracles in your everyday practical life, and you and you and you know we have a, a saying in UCC church, God is still speaking, you know, and there's so many people who can't hear God because they're not trained to hear God. They're just not trained to hear God. God is still speaking. God has consistently been speaking from the beginning. You know, from, from the time when he called, 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 called to humans and, and he, when he made the call and and the Jews an, answered. Because <laughs> they, they was willing to hear the call. And, you know, that's where that whole chosen people thing come from. They not necessarily chosen, they just heard the call and was like, all right, uh, I think God God is calling. Let's go. You know. So, so spirituality and, 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 and metaphysical things, it's just really an awareness. It's just, it's just about awareness, you know? And I, I know people who are in religion. They're so, so busy trying to follow all the rules of the religion that they don't hear God's, they don't hear God speaking. They just don't hear God speaking. And I think you you can't have rules. You can't have God's rules and not hear God speaking. (laughs) God didn't like give you the rules and then walk the hell away. God is like, okay, these are the rules, but I'm still standing. I'm still, uh, I'm still very present, and so act accordingly. <laughs> I was like, oh, we gotta get these rules in. We gotta, we gotta follow these rules. God is still speaking. God is not a dead. God is a living God. It's a living, living, living God. So, you, so you have to train yourself to hear God speaking. You know, you have to you have to train yourself. It's a muscle, and so the more that you train yourself to listen to God, the more you hear God, and then everything that you notice will be the miracle, or is a miracle, all the time. So now I I I'm so trained at this that when I find myself in spaces, I hear God speaking very clearly, and sometimes the words hang in the air, and I look and I go, Wow, that. You know, because someone will say something across the room, they'll be talking about something that has nothing to do with my life. But a couple of sentences out of whatever they're saying will hit me in a way that God wanted me to hear that part. And then I look over there and God wanted me to hear that part. And so at the end of the night, when I string all this together, there is the message that God wanted me to hear. You know, it's like when you get in your car, you know, you ruminating on something, you get in the car and you turn on. And then the first song you hear is, oh, and you're startled because you're like, wow, that's God telling you I'm 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 present. I'm still speaking, you know, you know, I, that's just what it is. Or you come across a passage somewhere and it hits you just at the right moment that you need in your life or. The message hits you and you're like i'm gonna carry this with me because i know i'm I'm gonna need it for later and that's 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 how you develop your spiritual muscle and and read good stuff read good stuff read 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 how people wrestle with the dark night of the soul read how people sort of you know these people that find peace in chaos you know Uh, one of my favorite things is Create a life that you don't want to escape from. And I think that's what I'm doing. So when I go on vacation, I'm not trying to get away from anything. I just want to be in a new space, a new place. But I'm not trying to run away from anything. Because you know what I could do? I could turn off my phone. I could sit in my house. I could turn on the music that I like, pour a glass of wine, or read a good book and 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 be all right. The, the peace comes. It's not you go get peace. Peace is within. So you got to be peaceful within. I was trying to explain this to my my children, you know, because every little thing would just set them afire. I was like, you're going to... Because I was like that. Everything used to set me on fire because I had no control of my emotional self, my spiritual self. I had no control. So every little thing was painful. Every little little, you know, unhappiness, every decision that was a no, every little thing was just like, felt like a personal... Uh, uh, shut down. I was like, no. No. Sometimes no means no, absolutely. Uh, But in the spiritual world, no just means redirection. Just means redirection. You know. Now, in the world of sexual assault, no means no. That means I have agency over my body. You don't get to do whatever you want to me because you think you can't. That's No. But in the spiritual world, when you, when, you, when, you, when you have your heart set on something and the answer is no, it's not no, we don't want you to, ha- God doesn't want you to have it. No means there's another path that I need you to be on to get to the yes that you, you, you uh, or, or to get you on a path so that you can re-examine, is this what you want? You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, it's, it's a muscle. And, and it requires spiritual maturity to sort of think about your place in the world and everything else in relationship to, to, to it, you know, that's all. And so, so, so I hear God very clearly all the time because I train myself to do it. You know, that's why I move with such ease. I'm a very calm person. I move with a great deal of ease because I don't, I don't react anymore. And I'm a slow burn. It takes a lot for me to get pissed off. Uh, but oh, but trust, trust and believe. I can get there. Trust and believe. So, Nora, we're gonna take a break. Find me some music, girl. We're gonna go out. I'll be back at 1015. Y'all hang in. I'll be right back. Night, night, night. back to Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs rolls Life. It's the second hour and uh, I'm just hanging out. It's beautiful in the Elm, another beautiful day. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. It was lovely in New York. Just walking, walking through New York was gorgeous. So the high today, uh, oh, let me get to New Haven. So right now it's uh, 71 degrees. The high will be 80, so that'll be nice. Then it's gonna rain Friday and Saturday. So ugh, too bad. Too too bad. But that's all right. You know, we're gonna do what we do. But right now, 71 degrees. <laughs> Sunny conditions will continue all day. So get out and then catch some of these rays. Uh I have not watched the Golden Bachelor yet. Um, I have Hulu, so I can go back and watch it. But I've been wa- I've been paying attention to the articles that came out about it, because everybody and their mama is writing about it now. There's a piece up in the, uh, in the New York Times that talks about uh, what the Golden Bachelor says about uh, desirability as we age. So uh, I'm gonna read you a little bit of it. So September 28 was the season premiere of the Batch, the Golden Black Bachelor, a new show from the Bachelor franchise featuring senior dating, and, and I would imagine, you know. Um, that this is their first time doing it and they'll they'll learn the next one. Because there'll be a next one, right? Because this this is probably gonna this is probably gonna roll for a minute. So so they'll they'll learn some stuff and they'll they'll listen to public opinion, I would imagine. Um so the, the Bachelor franchise featuring senior dating. So the episode unfolded much like any other Bachelor premiere, where we watched the hopeful lead meet meet a group, the hopeful lead meet a group of starry-eyed hopefuls. The difference was that the people meeting were not, at the beginning of their careers, ready to start families. These folks are searching for someone to spend the next and final chapter with. So dramatic. I started seeing the casting calls for The Golden Bachelor a while back. I didn't think too much of it at the time, other than with the trip, it would be to see my mom on a show known for clout chasing, flight, fighting over shrimp and diabolical plotting and other behaviors that get contestants labeled as being there for the wrong reasons. And then on August 14th, during the Men Tell It All episode of Charity Lawson's Bachelorette season, the world was introduced to Gary Turner, the franchise's first golden bachelor, a 72-year-old widower with two daughters and two grandchildren. And I think choosing a widower was smart uh, because I think if you choose somebody who's divorced and, and it was a salty, bitter divorce, you run the risk of having that person having a contrary opinion to 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 uh to what is being presented and i think that might be challenging particularly if they if they're still bitter and salty about how things went down now if you can find somebody who's divorced and they are still friends with their per- partner the person that they divorced from and they want the best for them uh i think that's that's the next choice right the next way to go but anyway so Turner's introduction was to meet with boundless enthusiasm and as he described his desire to find love again after losing his wife to illness in 2017. Uh, the two were high school sweethearts and married for 43 years. And when asked by the host, Jesse Palmer, if he believes he'll find love like he had with his wife, he remarked, what I look for at the age of 70 is different than what I look for in high school and college. My, my interest was immediately piqued. Okay, cool. So he's not looking to replace his wife, his late wife. During the show's premiere, we got a glimpse of the complex dynamics of dating later in life as Jerry and the contestants share their desires for partnership, love and affection after having already had full lives and for some multiple loves. So Bachelor Nation will now be privy to the evolution of love after a lifetime of experience, loss and resilience. So the author goes on to say, I'm rooting for Gary as I root for all the leads to find love and a lifelong partner. But it's concerning just how much the show is focusing on now a population of seniors, all very fit and active with several contestants working in the fitness in- industry. Is this who the franchise believes is worthy of a second chance at love? Uh, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think they think that. I think at the end of the day, you have to have good TV. And we already know that people don't want to see other kinds of people other than fit, beautiful people on TV. I mean I, I'm not condoning this. I'm 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 fat. So I listen, I got baggage. So I I I'm not the listen, I'm not making the decision. I'm just telling you historically what the what the deal is. They of course they want the most attractive people because this is television. Uh diversity has always been a problem for the franchise. From leads to the contestants. Yes, because it's white centered. <laughs> the show's casting has historically veered toward uh, homogeneity and included little racial body or ability uh, diversity. Yeah, no, they're not, no, because he's not going to go out with black women. He's not going to go out with a handicapped challenge physically. This is not going to, he might meet somebody like that and be, it'd be lovely. But, for the purposes of entertainment, no so i i don't think I don't think the franchise is even thinking about beyond whatever it is they're trying to do. I think we put too much on that. Diversity has always been a problem, so yes, it's a, a diversity problem, so prior to the Golden Bachelor, the age range for contestants has usually fallen between early twenties and late thirties. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason for that. So the show appears to, to, appears to be the franchise way of opening up discussions about age uh, and acknowledging a population of daters who are rarely represented in the media. The cast for Gary's season was released in August in a splashy video with shares Believe playing in the background. 22 women in fashionable gowns reveal themselves to be ready for love and hopeful, and hopeful that it's with Gary. Based on who has made the cut, it's clear that the producers chose contestants who defy what we imagine. Be, uh, just, wait. Uh, okay. So, but this casting move, breaking stereotypes or reinforcing harmful expectations for people over 60 to be thin, be very few wrinkles and mostly gray hair free. I, I mean, there are people that are like that out there in the world. I'm, I'm not condoning any of this. I'm just saying, I'm not looking for the Bachelor franchise to what? To define for me how to be, how to age, how to be sexy, how to be anything or desirable. I'm not for that gaze. That's not my, this is, for me, this is entertainment. I, I don't give a damn what these people do or whatever. I know that this is TV and it's not a documentary. And it's designed to be drama and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, it's just reality TV. It's such as we know it. So in many ways, The Golden Bachelor is a mirror of our culture's belief about aging. So, I mean, we, we already know. We already know we have an ageism problem. Listen to these these to these to actors and actresses, act, actresses who, as soon as they get over 40, they're no longer desirable. I mean, you get a few out there who still work at Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep. You know th- that kind of thing, so so uh so to just so the American psychological Association defines as just discrimination against older people because of negative and accurate stereotypes, and one of the final contestants to exit the limousine to meet Gary was Conchetta, Aunt Chippy, who is um Jimmy Kim- Kimmel's aunt she's eighty four And uh, and she closely resembles the stereotype of the undesirable older woman. In typical tasteless bachelor fashion, she is meant to be comic relief. But she registered more as the fat aim of the joke. Cast against women who manage to escape the ravages of age, she seemed to portray a cautionary tale. She is brash, comments that she is in the wrong place, and falls asleep during the rose ceremony. And whether she voluntarily was there for the joke or not the point remains the same she was not even close to being competition and i i don't why are we surprised are we surprised i'm not surprised by that i'm just i'm just not surprised so so there are many stereotypes about older people and one is that older bodies with their fat and folds and wrinkles aren't desirable I mean, I guess to some people there are, but there's a whole lot of, there's a whole population of people out there who are dating, who are happy, who have been married or getting action, whatever. I, I don't even think about it this way. I never think that I'm too fat to date or too fat to have sex or any of that stuff, or I'm too old or whatever. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, that stuff does not enter my head because I know who I am or what I am. I, I don't, I'm not sugarcoating this or pretending or any of that kind of stuff. And the guys who dig me, dig me. I. That's just it. I mean, they know I'm fat. I mean, you meet me, I'm fat. So anyway, so, so I, you know, um, we, we have this problem of perpetuating youth anyway, youth and wrinkles, wrinkles free and tight tummies and toned thighs. I mean, we see it all the time. 70-year-old men with 30-year-old women. You never see 70-year-old women with 30-year-old men because it just feels icky to us. So anyway, and I don't want to hear these women talk about their struggle with their body images. We don't spent a gazillion years talking about women struggling with their body images. And they struggle because they're here for the gaze of men. That's men and 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 other women who are assassins as well. I'm not spending my time doing that. I don't. I do not compare myself against anybody. I know that I am fat. It does not stress me. I wear clothes very well. I like who I am. I always liked who I am. Do I want to lose some weight? Yeah, because I want to get off these goddamn pills. So anyway, so in casting, uh, let's see, who, will let's see, what else, what else? So there, there, are, there are, there are, there are, this is especially true for women who experience a tremendous amount of pressure to remain youthful in appearance and get or stay thin as they age, some of which is hormonally impossible and gets only more complicated by a number of health issues when we face, that we face when we age. Perhaps we will hear from the women about their struggles and weight and body image and how they experience inhabiting an older body. Like, I'm grateful that this body is aging. I want this body to be 20. Um, So so in casting Turner, who is thin and active, he hopes, he loves pickleball, the show is also holding up an example of what aspirational aging looks like for men. Turner appears to be the picture of health with nowhere near a granddad bod or even a dad bod. He uses a hearing aid but other than that, he looks as spry as any young man could be. Not all men age disgracefully, but that's what makes Gary such an attractive casting choice for the franchise. They want us to see an idealized version of aging, not what most of us will likely experience in our own lives. But that's, but all it is. I, why do they think, why does this author think that The Bachelor is going to be some bastion of of truth and 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 authentic, authenticity, it's not. Another tricky area for the golden bachelor to navigate is sex. Senior sex tends to get erased from the media in favor of a more kindly, sexless representation of aging. When Gary's season was first announced on the Men Tell All, the topic of fantasy suites came up. And fantasy suites are overnight dates where the final three contestants are able to spend camera-free time with the lead and explore intimacy. Jesse Palmer asked Jerry whether that would be a part of his journey. As the camera panned around the studio audience with puzzled looks on their faces, Jerry remarked that this would depend on the relationships he builds and how comfortable they both feel, which is generally how fantasy suites are addressed by younger leads. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's capable of having sex. And the women that he's going to choose is capable of having sex. The problem is in the question, why would Jerry be any different? Older people have sex. Sometimes the best sex of their lives because they don't get nobody pregnant. Nobody could get pregnant. What looks what it looks like largely a mysteri- mystery because no one talks about it. So So during Jerry's reveal, there were jokes about he was trending with tweets about how he can get it. And is this grandzaddy. zaddy. But somehow the idea of him choosing to explore a sexual connection with one or multiple contestants was unthinkable. The man has been having sex his whole life and most certainly knows the value sexual connection can have in a relationship. So based on what we saw in the premiere and what we was teased in the season trailer, I think we're in for a lot of sexual tension. So Gary makes out with at least two women on the first night and declares he's in love with multiple women. I'm excited for there's a real moment, moments of lust and passion between Gary and his hopeful fiance's to be. But I also want the show to shed light on how our desires change as we get older. What the show lacks in body and racial diversity, I hope will may be made up for allowing the women to tell stories about the process of aging and how that's impacted their identities. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. This includes all the stuff society tells us time and time again to hide, discussions of menopause, empty nest syndrome, being child-free, or what it was like raising Black children or grandchildren in America. We've already started to hear some compelling stories about loss and supporting friends who have severe illness, and I'm hopeful that the show will create more space for harder topics to be explored. I want to learn about the contestants' defining moments of embracing themselves in their lives. And I want to leave this season of the show feeling like I've gained some more insights on aging and particularly what it feels like to age in a culture that wants you to remain young. So, so to the, to the author of this piece, uh, who is it? Who is it? Uh, uh, Myesha Battle. No, no. Is it? Yeah. Myesha Battle. She's a certified clinical sexologist and sex and dating coach, educator and speaker. And she's the author of This is Supposed to be Fun, How to Find Joy and Hooking Up, Settling Down in Between and Everything in Between. Myesha, I, girl, I don't know you, but I think Myesha might be a black ass name. I I don't think you're gonna. I, I'm I'm just you know what, go go to some um, adult living places and talk to those people. I don't think you're gonna get the kinds of conversations that you want from the Bachelor because it's a franchise, and uh, you know it's a franchise, and they got they've got a so they, they, there's a formula to this. I think I think we're I think we're asking them to be something that they're not going to be. So, uh, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'm I'm already two shows behind. I think <laughs> I, I got a busy social life, and, and you know, I'm trying to do some other things. So I just feel like, you know. Uh, uh, I'm. I, I first of all, I love that there is this this the bachelor older bachelor franchise, um, and I hope that they don't try to have the shenanigans be the same shenanigans that people would have in their thirties. I mean, I hope not. You know, uh, and and I just hope that uh, you know, that it's enjoyable. That's all. You know, I'm just I'm just hopeful that it's uh it's enjoyable, and uh and that you know the exploitation is held to a minimum. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Hold the shenanigans and the exploitation, you know, and 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 you know, I think some people will will look at these. Uh, some people will look at uh, uh these these uh senior citizen women as beautiful and desirable uh and and maybe they're not representative of the majority you know uh but but there isn't i mean there's this whole there's this uh whole uh facebook instagram uh advancing advancing style where uh this young man middle-aged young man um started capturing the style of aging people and you know in new york and it's just such an amazing. He's got two books out, so one is uh, advancing style, and one is um, advancing uh, one about ro- romance. Well, and I think that's a I think that's a better a better deal if you go look at at that stuff because that's rooted in reality, and you get all kinds of people. You know, you get you get a mix of all kinds of people, and and they're not all fit, and they're not all thin and health. You know, uh uh uh, uh you know, doing you know climbing mountains and stuff like that but they're very stylish people so i I would invite people to go look at advancing style over on instagram and get a vibe for you know how people are aging beautifully you know in their own in their own space and in their own bodies and and not and don't spend so much time thinking measuring yourself to these women that you see on the senior bachelor uh because i i'm gonna look at these women and you know one i'm rooting for all black women and second of all, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't concern myself with uh, who concerns himself with me about how I look. And I, you know, and I, listen, I I was engaged to a man who was very, very conscious about me not being fat. Just, and I, I mean, when I was dating him, I wasn't fat, but he was so conscious of it. And I step, fell in line with that stupidness. I, I mean, I was young. I mean, I was, I wasn't even 30. I was like twenty. 20 something years old right and so I thought you know wow I have the attention of this man you know uh, 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 hedge fund kind of cat and and I was just I was flattered and all that other kind of stuff but I didn't have I didn't have agency you know I am so not the woman that I was I mean I was smart but I, I didn't have agency and I played to the gaze just like a lot of women play to the gaze. and hopefully you grow out of that and you you have some wherewithal about you want to be in the body that, you know, I mean, it's, listen, let me tell you something. If I wanted to, I could whip this body into, into 20 year old shape. I mean, I could eat, right. I could exercise. I could go and do all the things like a higher track. I could, I could make this my, my, my commandment, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I just, I'm just not going to do that. And, and I think we have to be okay with saying, that's not what I'm going to do. So I, I don't care. I mean, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not going to lose weight for the gaze of somebody else. Losing weight is not going to make me more attractive. I, I can guarantee you it's not going to make me more attractive. It's not going to make me more attractive. Attractive. I'm already attractive. I, there's no more getting more attractive. More attractive to whom? To me, I'm already attractive. That's it. I'm already at the height of beauty and all that other foolishness. There's no, there's no more to it. I'm not going to give it any more, any more headspace or or a bigger arena because I, I just don't see the point in it. I don't see the point of it. And I think if you like somebody, you love somebody. You just love them and you see them. And if and if and if me having a flat tummy and high tits, ah, well then you might keep it moving. <laughs> just listen they the women are like buses is one every two seconds I, and you're not gonna you're not gonna shame me you're not gonna beat me up you're not gonna dress i no no man could come and say to me well i want you i need you to lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds or i need you to do this another and and thing or i don't like your hair purple or are you kidding me can you even imagine <laughs> I, you know what I, you know what I have to say. I be like, you know what? Somebody get Norm Patterson on the phone again. I'm gonna need him one more time. <laughs> ah, ah. Somebody get Norm Patterson on the phone for me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna need his, I'm gonna need his skills one more time. Cause I, I just couldn't hear it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even have a conversation with somebody who, who, <laughs> who would even suggest. That I change anything about myself to suit them? Are you out of your mind? But that's what. It, but but see, I sit and I sit wholly in sixty, in maturity and authenticity. I know a whole lot of people who don't. I know women who go to bed with full makeup on, and the husbands never see them without makeup. I, I can't imagine that foolishness. That's a level of psychosis I never want to explore because they think they look better with makeup on and or and they get up in the morning, wash it all off and then put it back on. And I'm thinking that is exhausting. And you want the favor of a man who requires that. Uh, meanwhile, men out here could be all kinds of fat, overweight, balding, sloppy, dirty. Whatever, eat with their hands, all kinds of mess, and and they and they are considered good catches. <laughs> let a woman let a woman not be able to squeeze her ass into a pair of spanks and some stilettos at any age, and she's already you know not worth it. And that's because we're treating people as commodities. We're we're trading people's sexuality and beauty uh, um, as part of and like jewelry. And I, you know, I, I can't be bothered with a man like that. I, I just can't, I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine it. And it's not because I, I, I'm above it. It's because I've already come through it. So there's no going back to that. I, I don't care how attractive a man is. And he's talking to me and he's like, oh, I need you to, I'm like, are you out of your mind? Child, you don't get away from me. You know, I wouldn't even. I couldn't even entertain it. Oh, and I wouldn't listen. I would not put up with anybody. And this is why I don't have any more conversations with women about weight loss or their bodies or any. I not. It's not that I don't care, but I. But I know what I know how fat shaming goes because I've been in the company of people who try to fat shame, with low key, down low fat shame. Like you know, you get around people, and I'm a big one. I'm five eight. I weigh two hundred and what am I? 278 pounds. So I'm I'm a pretty big girl and I'm down uh, 30 pounds, right? Because when I started this, this Olympic uh, journey, I was 306 pounds and something had to be done. And uh, and I knew I wasn't going to go get my stomach stapled, sleeved, by any of that. I knew I wasn't going to do that. And my team of doctors was like, no, we're not going to do that because you've got too many other complications. That would just be too much of a risk. So when they came up with the Olympic stuff, I was like, "Fine, I'll, you know, I'll do it, whatever." I don't... So and so it got my—I mean, I lost fifty pounds getting ready for the for the for the hip replacement surgery, and I was determined. But do you know what you have to do to carve out your life to 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 be that diligent? And I did it for a year because I didn't have a choice. But I don't want to live my life like that. Like I didn't drink, I didn't eat any bread, I didn't. <laughs> I don't want to live like that. Who the hell wants to live like that? So anyway, when they brought the Ozipic to me, and it's like, uh, I was like, okay, cool. And so now I'm down thirty pounds, right? And it's been, you know, like four months or something. It's been like four months. I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. But this is what I This is what I want to tell you. I, I don't. I don't sit in room in spaces with women. And women do this when they're in the company of other women, and they do it with other men because they think it makes them look attractive. And I know it's a desperate attempt to say, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" And that's fine. I don't got no. I got no beef with women who are in shape. I have great girlfriends who are in shape. Uh, I have a girl, gr- couple of girlfriends who are personal trainers. I love them. I love what they're doing. I, and, and and I don't. I'm. I don't begrudge it. But what I don't like is I get in the company of women, and and they're in a the company of men that they find attractive. Now, the thing about me, what, what you're going to learn about me is men already find me attractive. That's number one. You know why? Because I'm smart. And I have good command of language. So that's already, that's already attractive. And the men who find me attractive because of that, those men, uh, yes, they'll look at these little skinny girls and like, oh, oh, whatever, whatever. But their time will be spent with women like me. That's number one, but I'm not here for the gays and I'm not here for what men like. I'm not here for what men like. I could care less what men like or what they think about women and what women do and how we show up. I could care less. But what I don't like women to do is to sort of look at me, look at me, I'm not you, I don't wanna be you. And and they do it in such a, 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 a little down low kind of way. To, to make jabs. You know, these women that sit around and talk about, oh, I can't eat that, and oh, oh, and oh, I don't, I can't. I've gained five pounds, and I have to lose five pounds, and oh, look at this stomach, and oh. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there with my 278-pound self, 5'8", and I'm thinking, girl, what? I'm going to give me another drink. Because <laughs> I have confidence. I'm hella conf- No one, I'm not a shrieking violent by anybody's imagination. I walk into any room and I am the room. That's it. This is not a brag. This is because I have confidence, because I'm not afraid, because I know how I look. I know how amazing I am. I don't have no fear. I don't walk into a room shrinking. I don't walk into a room hiding. I don't do any of that. And I certainly don't have to talk about some made up weight thing to prove that I'm, you know, worthy of somebody's attention, I don't, I don't do that. So to all these women who got fat friends, stop trying to, you know, throw your fat friends under the bus. Stop trying to, you know, uh, act like, you, you know, you hang with this fat friend because your fat friend makes you look more look, make you look more attractive when you're out there in these streets. I, I see this, I see the foolishness of that too. Because you know, when you're out with a fat friend. You're going to get the more, you're going to get the more attention than your fat friend, or so you think. So you think. I'm telling you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of levels to this foolishness. There's a lot of levels to this foolishness that goes on. And I I sit and I watch it and I was like, oh, I don't, I always tell women, I was like, listen, if you're happy with where you at, be happy with where you at. But if you're going to spend all your time and attention focusing on some elusive, listen, listen, when I was in high school, I was the size. 12, 14. When I was in college, it was I was a solid fourteen, which which is you know I could wear any fourteen. I was modeling back in the day, right? I was modeling. I was modeling for Macy's. I was modeling for Seychelles, uh, and I was modeling for August Max Woman and uh, and uh, and so so I could wear any size fourteen anywhere in the world. They just put it on me, and I would could wear it fine. And that was considered plus size back in the day. That was plus size. <laughs> Now, now with now with solid 22. I'm a 22. <laughs> so, what 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 you know, what constituted as a plus size back then is really it, 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 I was not fat, you know, but but there is there is a great deal of bias and aggression toward fat people, you know, they they want fat, fat people to be seen and 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 not heard, don't talk, don't breathe. You know, don't even, don't even, ask, don't even think that you're sexy. Don't even think that somebody wants you. Don't even think, you know, you're nothing. You're fat. You know, you're, you're, you're wretched. I mean, that, that just, that's just the, 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 the ball game. And I see people do it all the time. Fat shaming people all the time. I see it. I, 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 people have tried it with me, and I have shut it down. I'm like, uh, 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 no, 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 no. I was like, oh no, 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 no. I don't. Let me check you right now. Let me check you right right now. Because what you're not going to do is going to try to make me feel like I'm less than you because you're a water size 10. Girl, if you don't get out of here if I wrap you around my wrist and wear you like a bracelet. <laughs> if you don't get away from me before I throw a sandwich at you and knock you upside down head. <laughs> uh-huh. So I just you know what? Confidence is not confidence is how you look, how you look for right now. Confidence is what you wear. I, I first of all, I have great style. I pride myself on my style. You're not gonna see me in unflattering things. Every now and again, I'll put on something like, mm, I don't know about this, you know, or I'll wear it. I was like, you know, I didn't really enjoy that, you know, because I, I, I like clothes. I like clothes because I think the world is a stage, and so I prepare for it. That's it. I love clothes. I love, love clothes. Love them. Always have. Even when I was a young girl, love clothes. I got it from my mother, you know, and my sister too. We we love clothing. Oh, my sister is very much a minimalist, whereas I'm not. I'm very excessive. <laughs> so, so anyway, I say all this to say, just you know what, wherever you are, whoever you are, if you listen to me today, whether you listen to me in Australia or I think I'm big in uh, in uh, Russia, uh, wherever you are, just be be who you are. Love on yourself, because you know what, you cannot. You can lose all the weight you want. But if you don't love on yourself, if you don't love on yourself, because any weight loss starts first inside, any weight loss program starts inside. So if you don't love the body that you have right now, you're not going to love the body that you push through a regimen and get to some, some unimaginable size that you think is magic and the world will just open up. No, you got to open up the world right now in the size that you're in. That's it. So, I'm out of here. I'll be back tomorrow though. I don't know if I got guests tomorrow. I got guests tomorrow. I think I got guests tomorrow. Let me see. So, thank you Nora for hanging out. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> no!